0: One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. It's my screen time too. Screen time, screen time. Screen Hello, time, and welcome to "It's My Screen, my screen Time Two, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming, from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three children, a 10-year-old named Tony and twin six-year-olds
1: named Libby and Nate. And I have two kids. Jay, he is four, and Kenny, he is one. Our kids are pretty adorable and at the outset of every episode, we just like to get a cute kid story out of the way just to, you know, let our moms out before we really let fly with the incisive cultural criticism. So Deborah, have your kids done anything cute this week?
0: Well, I'm going to paint you a word picture because this is a podcast. We went to a kid's hair salon this morning and all my kids transformed from, like, raggedy street ur- urchins <laughs> into Target toy catalog models. Oh, Yeah. They <laughs> look so cute when they're just done getting haircuts.
1: <laughs> Does it make you feel like they're a lot older? I feel like it always has that, like, gut-wrenching moment of, oh, my kids are growing up every time I cut Jay's hair.
0: Yes. And there was a little baby in the, like, a toddler gonna get his like first haircut and I kind of I kind of wanted to tell the mom like it's not time (laughs) let him have that baby mullet another couple of months
1: yeah Kevin has been giving me a hard time to cut Kenny's hair and I'm like oh you gave me till 18 months with Jay don't make me go sooner with Kenny I can't do it (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah
0: So what have those two done that is cute this week?
1: We have been moving, so things have been a little hectic. Jay, they have this thing at his school where every week a different kid is star of the week, and they get to bring in something for, like, show and tell every day. Mm. So I let him pick what he brought. I didn't really direct him at all. So each day he chose to bring a different stuffed animal. Okay. And I learned that he has named all of his stuffed animals, but it's just the name of the animal with a Y sound at the end for okay. all of them. It's really cute. So he brought in dinosaur-y and alligatory <laughs> and eagle <laughs> <laughs> So for our screen time in the news segment today, we wanted to officially kick off the holiday season because, guys, as we record this, we are in full Thanksgiving prep mode. And you know what that means? It means we would rather be watching Hallmark Christmas movies.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it's a short thanksgiving to christmas time frame this year Mm -hmm. and so we need to maximize our holiday movie
1: time yes so we have both kind of been taking a look at the slate of new christmas movies for you know the big hitters your hallmarks your lifetimes and also what netflix has coming out and all the other little players like freeform who knew Mm -hmm. Disney Plus, uh, the article that we looked at today was from the New York Times on October 30th, and it's called How Many Christmas Movies is Too Many Christmas Movies by Ashley Spencer. So she talks about what you would kind of expect, the fact that it is a little crazy that Hallmark and Lifetime are producing so many original Christmas movies with essentially the same plot. And we, the viewers, are eating them up. So she's asking in this article whether we've reached peak Christmas movies. And I think based on the numbers of viewers, it's safe to say that we have not. I think based on the opinions of your humble podcast hosts here, we have not, at least in my head we haven't, but in all practicality, I have zero time to watch any of these new Christmas movies. How about you?
0: I might make time. I mean, i definitely all about the kids' Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. Netflix has is coming out with Klaus, which looks really good. We really liked their big holiday animated film last year, and so I'm excited to watch that with my kids. I will probably try to make time for um, the OWN network. Oprah Winfrey's network mm-hmm. has its first ever TV Christmas movies, all three with black leads. I think that's kind of cool. Um, and I like every everything
1: that Oprah does. Who doesn't? Who doesn't?
0: I don't know that I'll get to see any of the in-theater Christmas movies. Right. Probably not, because if we go to a movie in the theater, it's usually like, well, we'll see Star Wars. That's coming out December 20th.
1: I was hoping to find some, and I know this is wishful thinking, but I was hoping to find some of the TV Christmas rom-coms that like, had a hook that might make them even somewhat interesting to my kids. It, it's not, I haven't found anything. <laughs> So I don't think there'll be any hope of me forcing Jade to sit down for one. But I did watch almost all of one already. Oh, nice. Yes. Awesome. I I chose the Megan Hilty vehicle. Smoky Mountain Christmas, maybe? Or Sweet Mountain Christmas? Some sort of Mountain Christmas. You know the plot, guys. She's a busy career woman who gets trapped in her hometown <laughs> and reminded what Christmas is all about. It was charmingly awful. Definitely not the best of the genre by far, but it got me a little bit in that Christmas spirit.
0: That's nice. Have do you have Disney Plus?
1: Yes. Mhm. Do you? Okay,
0: I I don't. So I want you to watch the Disney Plus one with Anna Kendrick, I want
1: to watch Noel. it. Called mm-hmm. Noelle,
0: and I also have to mention from this article, this one from Freeform sounds really crazy. It's called Ghosting the Spirit of Christmas, uh-huh. and it's about a girl who goes on the perfect first date and then she dies in a car accident on her way home, oh, and quote unquote ghosts the date. <laughs> It sounds really wacky, and I'm very curious. I think this definitely breaks through the genre of Christmas movie. It breaks the mold, is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, I have to admit that I had not considered the potentially fertile ground between Christmas movies for kids and families and the silly rom-coms that are for you know, us middle-aged women. I had not mm-hmm. thought what about Christmas movies for teens? And it seems like Freeform is really jumping into that space. hmm Yeah.
0: Oh, happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> let us know what you are watching and enjoying. There's too much for us to see, and so
1: let us know what is worth our time. I'm also interested to know what your favorite quote-unquote classic TV holiday movies are. Because they come out with so many new ones. I'm interested to know if there are any that you still want to watch again and again. That fascinates me. All Good right. question.
0: <laughs> so as a quick follow-up from our last episode in which we reviewed Tiffany Haddish's Kids Say the Darndest Things, I just want to let you know that I followed her on Instagram, and it's kind of disappointing. Oh. I thought it would be really a lot funnier Mm -hmm. and I think it's I think it's um, not her posting the the content
1: and that 10 year old assistant she hired isn't good with the social media content
0: (laughs) yeah it's not like the unfiltered Tiffany Haddish that I would like to see on Instagram it's just like some promos about her show
1: oh that makes me sad
0: well today we are reviewing the last kids on earth It's a Netflix show. It premiered in September of this year, 2019, and it's based on a series of illustrated novels by Max Brelier and illustrated by Douglas Holgate. There are five books in this series. The first one was published in 2015. The show is a production of Canadian studio Atomic Cartoons, who's also responsible for one of our favorites, Molly of Denali. And the series centers around a 13-year-old boy named Jack Sullivan, and he lives in a treehouse with his friends, Quint Baker, who's a science nerd and adventurer, June Del Toro, who's a kick-ass love interest, and Dirk Savage, local bully-turned-team-strong-man. And they're all navigating the apocalypse, which involves zombies. And Monsters.
1: Can't just be one, guys. Can't just be one.
0: We picked it based on my suggestion because my 10-year-old is a huge fan of the book series. Really loves him a lot. He's, like, told his younger brother and sister all about the series. And so they play Last Kids on Earth sometimes. So they were excited to watch it. I was excited to watch it. Also, our Halloween movie, Spooky Bodies, wasn't super scary, so we wanted to delve a little bit further into that world of
1: kids' frightening content. So this is not our first trip into the world of teen zombies. Listeners, if you remember last year, I think it was around our like fun summer movie time, we reviewed the Disney Channel original, Zombies. Which was a musical and had quite a different tone. But this is our first foray into a full-on teen apocalypse. And just as we talked about when we did review Zombies, I have to ask, Deborah, are you apocalypsed out? Did you find the new setting and the attempt to bring this to a teen audience to be refreshing?
0: I got apocalypsed out in like... Season four of The Walking Dead. <laughs> so, I did not find the genre, the new setting to be refreshing. I was super confused by the fact that there were zombies in monsters. Like, I think one main threat to human existence is enough for an
1: hour long show. Also, wouldn't the zombies or wouldn't the monsters just eat the zombies? and thus take care of one half of those problems
0: they seem to only be interested in like living flesh not undead flesh of human beings because those monsters just ignore those zombies
1: couldn't it be like one of those vampire movies where the vampire learns to drink animal blood instead of human blood just so you know he can live in the world the monsters can just learn to develop a taste for zombie flesh
0: that would be maybe too convenient for Jack and his friends and then they wouldn't have anything to do all day.
1: Fine. <laughs> Why are there no adults left in this town? I mean, in at the towards the end of the episode, June, who is Jack's love interest, mentions that there was a rescue bus that carried her parents away, but How is it there were so many kids that are left behind, but no adults were? It seems awfully irresponsible that the the adults were all like, well, I guess we'll get on this bus and leave our teens behind.
0: I know. So Jack doesn't have parents, but he was living in like a foster family, right? Mm -hmm. So they abandoned him. Quint's parents were on a cruise. And left him alone?
1: Which, I mean, 13 years old. Would you that's... leave your 13-year-old alone when you went on a cruise? That's board- That's more than borderline.
0: I don't think I would even leave a 13-year-old home alone for an overnight. But yeah. I'm a helicopter parent. <laughs> yeah, and the scene where June describes how she saw her parents and they saw her and they didn't even try to get through the zombie apocalypse to save her. I mean, that's a moment where like, as a parent, you're like trying to protect your spot in the gene pool. So like you risk your life to save your child, to propagate the species. Right. (laughs) Like that just just didn't seem realistic based, based on, I don't know, human instincts, but yeah, it was very
1: sad. It was very sad. Yeah, just teens, no adults, seemingly no younger children. So maybe the adults were more concerned with them. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So we talked about why don't the monsters eat the zombies. It really seems like throughout that instead of being a constant threat, the monsters and the zombies are only there when they need to be for the plot. Because sometimes they're terrifyingly blasé about this supposed ever-present threat there's mm-hmm. the scene where they break into the high school or the junior high where june has been hot, holed up this whole time so the three boys break into the high school they break into the junior high to find june there are tons of zombies like zombie mm-hmm. hordes if this were an episode of the walking dead there would be so much zombie carnage. And there's mm-hmm. this whole montage of them just like chair racing down the halls of the school and in general making a ruckus and having fun like kids do. Guys, mm-hmm. there are zombies right there. The whole time I was watching with like my hands clutching the chair arms being like, when is the zombie going to jump out and eat Clint? So that was a little frustrating to me. I wanted a little bit more ever-present sense of dread
0: right and another thing about the threats that i didn't understand was there's rover Mm
1: -hmm. who's
0: a monster who is like a domesticated pet to jack
1: right so they they don't even really tame him he's just tame out of the box he's like a monster dog
0: a monster dog it's so weird like what other monsters are like trying to eat these kids Mm -hmm. and then Jack's like riding around on Rover with a
1: saddle Mm -hmm. the whole time because the big bad of this episode is a giant monster that they call a blurg Mm -hmm. the whole time I thought that was going to be the capper on the episode I thought it was going to turn out that the blurg was just following them because he needed a friend like I was just waiting for that to be the twist
0: yes I even asked Tony when we were watching it I was like does we just want to hang out with them and he was like
1: no but you could be forgiven (laughs) for thinking that because how could you tell like is there a size limit if the monster is small enough it might be tame but if it's big it's got to be evil Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a little sizist
0: I think you're right (laughs) (laughs)
1: I was also wondering if there is a chance that this entire apocalypse is just a figment of Jack's imagination because the system has already failed him. He is Mm -hmm. almost already living a tweens version of the apocalypse because he's growing up with a negligent foster family, his all right, I really didn't have like something to follow that up with. But is the apocalypse just a metaphor for the hopelessness of his real life?
0: I think that's a really astute observation. And but... he seems really happy when he kind of assembles this like family of his own making with the uh, three friends who all come to live
1: with him in the treehouse. And the whole time that he's living through this apocalypse, he is... Treating it like a video game, like every task he completes, he Mm -hmm. like gives himself a little reward badge and it flashes up on the screen. It feels like to have the whole thing framed as a game starring Jack as our hero could mean that it's all in his head to begin with. Which brings me to the process of gamification, which Jack uses as a means of coping with the apocalypse. Gamification is kind of in the zeitgeist right now. Uh, Listeners, if you don't know what gamification is, it's like the process of accomplishing something by pretending it is a game. And people have applied this to a lot of different areas of their everyday life. You can see people gamifying their diet regimes or their exercise routines or their household chores. There's a whole variety of things that And a lot of it is app-based that have little rewards that you get for, I don't know, doing all the dishes or whatever, making your bed every day. Uh, Is there anything in your life that you gamify, Deborah?
0: This is not really a gamifying thing, and I'm kind of embarrassed to tell you about this, (laughs) but I used to work love it in an office a long time ago and like the executive assistant in my office his name was Gino and he was really 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 fun and we would have lunch all the time and check in with each other and some days he would be like I am really being Gino producto today and he like Gino producto persona was like super with it really efficient did all his stuff did more than was on his to-do list so like some days I have those like Deborah Producto days where I give myself like a little pat on the back for you know doing an extra load of laundry and I have lost touch with Gino and Gino Producto (laughs) and I really
1: hope that He's somewhere being super productive right now. I love it. I love that Deborah Producto is your like superhero name. <laughs> I can see you in like your little cape that is actually made out of a freshly laundered bath towel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am super attracted to this idea because I love being recognized for the things that I do. And if a computer or app can recognize me for the things that a normal human would never recognize me for like completing another load of laundry because come on who really cares? I am <laughs> all for it. Like if I can get a little badge for doing something that is mundane and I would do otherwise, I I want it. I want to try all these apps.
0: <laughs> That's interesting. Gamification is new to me and I am um, I feel like my I feel like it would really work for my kids.
1: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Well, isn't that the basic concept of, like, sticker charts and yes. uh, chore charts and what have you? hmm Yeah. Like, getting
0: a gold star mm-hmm. is a motivator for some people.
1: Yeah. So I guess the idea of gamification is it's like a gold star for grown-ups without any actual reward behind it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how you do it with your kids, but with Jay, if he gets 10 pirate coins, then he gets some sort of little prize, But Mm -hmm. if I were gamifying this for myself, I wouldn't really get anything after 10 pirate coins. I would maybe become, like, a level 2 pirate. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We're getting kind of in the weeds with this. Um, (laughs) The point is that I love Jack's approach to the apocalypse. Uh, It brings some spirit and some life into... Mm -hmm. You know, the everyday drudgery of trying not to get eaten. Mm -hmm. And I find gamification super compelling. What did you think about the look of the show? If we can focus back on the actual topic of our episode today, I was looking through the, you know, how on Amazon you can click on the link and kind of look through the pages of a book. Mm-hmm. So, I was looking through some of the pages of the books, and it's clear that the animation hews really closely to the look of the text. Everyone looks appropriately aged. I was mm-hmm. super happy to see that there wasn't any inappropriate hypersexualization of June. Like, she looks mm-hmm. like a tween or a young teenager. She doesn't have, like, big boobs and hips and mm-hmm. a super tiny waist or anything like that. So. That was heartening for me. I thought when looking at it for the first time that it was actually from a graphic novel. That's just what I assumed from the look of it. But it's actually an illustrated, what are they? Chapter book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's like a pretty heavily illustrated chapter book. Mm -hmm.
0: But it's not, I want to say there are not drawings on every page. But the drawings are really, the illustrations are fun. Mm-hmm. Like, the monsters are very inventive. The zombies are pretty scary. I I liked both the illustrations in the books that I've looked at, and I liked the animation. And one thing we should say is there are five books in the book series, and it looks like Netflix is going to release like about an hour long show based on every book because when we watched this we watched book one and that's all that is on netflix right now
1: mm-hmm. and it's just a hair over an hour mm-hmm. what did you think about the cast of characters were you a fan of jack and his is this an appropriate use of the word ersatz his ersatz family
0: yeah i think so okay <laughs> Well, it is very Scooby-Doo, and you noted on our notes that um, each team member of this Ersatz family is a recognizable type. Like Jack is the hero, Quint is the nerd, Dirk is the muscle, June is the girl, um, the badass girl, and a lot of kids shows do this, and like a lot of chicklet novels do this, and rom-com movies do this. And I, you pointed that out, and then it started to kind of make me mad. And I wonder, like, are writers lazy, or do they not give enough credit
1: to their audience? Part of me wants to give it a little bit of a pass, just Mm because it is a book for children. And I think... The idea is to find an avatar for yourself. And maybe if you're a young boy reading this and you can check this with Tony, you want to see yourself in Jack and you want to see your immediate friend group in his friend group. And at least at that age, I think they're not usually really playing with members of the opposite sex all that much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I was kind of peeved that June was the only girl and, oh, well, also Quint was the only person of color. The whole thing about representation being that if you only have one of a certain type, that person is meant to represent the totality of Mm -hmm. that group. It's just as frustrating here as it always is.
0: Mm Yeah. Yeah. We encounter this a lot. We do. Um, one kind of funny scene about Dirk, the musclehead, they encounter him on, in a street scene and he like fights a monster away and then he just goes to the side of a building, rips the gutter <laughs> off in order to get a drink of water. <laughs> I just thought that scene was hilarious.
1: I really enjoyed Dirk as comic relief. I get it. He's
0: strong. We already mentioned The Walking Dead, and I can talk more about this. But did you
1: compare Last Kids on Earth to any adult movies or TV shows? But The Walking Dead is obviously the first one that you would reach for when thinking about the apocalypse, right?
0: Yeah. And in fact, based on when these books came out, I have like sort of a crass capitalist take on this. I feel like the writer of the book might have watched the first series, first uh, season of The Walking Dead, and just thought to themselves,
1: "What if it was just Carl?" That sounds horrible. I hope he didn't say that in his pitch meeting.
0: <laughs> I know, but that's kind of what it feels like in the beginning because it's just Jack slash Carl alone, eating junk food, avoiding zombies. It also made me think a little bit about I Am Legend with Will Smith in it and the Mm -hmm. dog. And this is not even the first show that I've compared to that movie.
1: (laughs) I think I have too. I think pretty much anything involving a sad death of a pet, like that one always Mm -hmm. comes up for me. Mm -hmm.
0: It also sort of reminded me, and maybe just because this is the only zombie book I've ever read, but Colson Whitehead's Zone 1 book that also came out during that really fertile time for
1: zombies and the zeitgeist Mm -hmm. like is that also when we got justin cronin's the passage that was more vampires
0: but 2010 to 2015 it was just all zombies all the time
1: yeah there were zombies everywhere oh um i guess it was earlier 28 days later was earlier in the aughts wasn't it Mm, that was a favorite of mine too okay
0: were you able to cast the gritty HBO reboot?
1: I mean to me what you were saying about The Walking Dead but only Carl Mm -hmm. it felt to me like it could almost be like Walking Dead the early years like what if young Rick Grimes and what if young Michonne Ah. and young Daryl and I don't know who Quint would be is there a brainy one, really? Um, that doctor, maybe? The vet? Oh, yeah. The old guy? Uh, so, I like, the, mu- the Muppet Babies yes! of The Walking Dead? Walking Dead Muppet Babies. <laughs> that is exactly what I mean. <laughs> I
0: thought about casting Jack and June in more of an adult age and i would like to see michael b jordan and michelle rodriguez have um kind of that tension between like he wants to save her and she doesn't need saving Mm because she is really tough and competent fighting zombies it would also be refreshing to see like the female lead try to keep saving the male lead and the male lead being like, I got it. (laughs) (laughs) I just cleared a path to the cafeteria. Quit messing
1: with my system. You know what I thought about when I was thinking about the girl, I don't know why this has been on my mind so much lately, but the girl saving the guy Mm -hmm. that Awesome scene in the. I feel like it it was maybe mid to late 90s movie Ever After. It was a Drew Barrymore vehicle.
0: Yes. It was a retelling
1: of Cinderella. Mm-hmm. And there's this awesome scene in which she and Prince Charming are like beset by brigands and she makes a deal that like she can leave with whatever she can carry because she's just a girl and they don't really need her. And so she goes up to the prince and like fireman lifts him over her shoulder to carry him away. And the brigands are just so impressed that like she has that chutzpah (laughs) that um, they let them go or like they decide to party with them or something. I don't know. I love that image. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I just want to mention... And this is totally going back to our general thoughts. But speaking of images that we loved. uh, Jack, our hero, his weapon of choice is a baseball bat that early on in the episode, he hits the blurg with the baseball bat and the bat breaks. But it breaks in such a way that it looks like a sword. And Mm -hmm. I just loved that imagery. Like all of a sudden he was the hero knight in his quest just because of the way his baseball bat had broken. I really liked the way that that looked animation-wise.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That
1: was cool. Sorry, going back to uh, evergreen, evergreen questions.
0: I was just going to ask you if you thought it was better when we were kids. Did we realize we were missing out on zombie apocalyptic
1: scenarios? I'm trying to think if we had anything. Not that this was a dark show, because the tone is really pretty enthusiastic. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if we had anything that approached this kind of heavy topic.
0: I don't think this was the type of show that I would have watched when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So if there was something like it, I it wasn't on my radar.
1: Yeah. So I don't think it was better when we were kids in this instance. Mm-hmm. Would you ever watch Last Kids on Earth alone? That's a tough call. It was really fun. If I didn't have so many other apocalypse viewing options. hmm I have a feeling I will be just fine watching this with Jay in a couple years when he's old enough for it. I don't feel the need mm-hmm. to watch it by myself, but it was perfectly entertaining. How about you? Mm-hmm.
0: My kids loved it. So there if there's no chance that I'll watch it alone they're already like disappointed that only book one is available so I, I definitely will be watching the other ones but with my children
1: so that leads us easily into 10 seconds on whether or not this is good for our kids I think it gets a thumbs up from you right
0: Thumbs up from me, but my kids are older. Um, The monsters are pretty scary Mm -hmm. if your kids either don't like scary stuff or if they're pretty young still. So I would say it's good for uh, definitely eight and up, six and up, kind of a question of who's watching,
1: what the kid is like. I think I would skew that towards – the younger end of your spectrum just because it does have such a sun a sunny tone even when they Mm -hmm. are confronting what could be looked at as the scarier monsters Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like anyone's ever really in peril right Radiance. I don't know that we have emphasized or that I have adequately emphasized how much fun I found this like not knowing anything going into it, I was very entertained. So, I would give it maybe a four. Yeah,
0: I think Jack was a really good character. I would, I would say four and a half.
1: Nice. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I, that shades it away from being higher for me would just be, I guess, the lack of diversity. The Mm -hmm. kind of standard, the white dude is our hero perspective. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I thought it was really well done, really nice and quippy. And dare I say a nice, sunny take on the apocalypse? Yeah. (laughs) Which was good to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, let us know what you thought about The Last Kids on Earth. And don't forget to keep us posted on your holiday movie watching schedule. Deborah, do you have any other thoughts on this one?
0: I do not. Thanks for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Check out our website at myscreentime2.com. You can still find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. You'll see what we're watching gene next and you can watch along with us before our next episode you can tweet us with show or movie suggestions article recommendations or general comments at at my screen time too you can email us at my screen too at gmail.com our theme music was composed and performed by me and my adorable children and our podcast is produced by katie tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and tv beloved by kids and tolerated by parents Bye. Screen time, Bye. Screen time. Screen time. <laughs> it's my screen time, too.